Hey, Pioneers, welcome to episode number 417. So today's episode, we're going to be talking about preparing your medicinal herbs for the year. And a little bit of backstory about how this conversation came to be is this past weekend, I was having a conversation with uh, Carolyn Thomas from Homesteading Family. I know many of you know Carolyn. Carolyn is my best friend. And so we were kind of just chit-chatting through like, you know, what we were doing on the homestead, like kind of what was going on, playing catch up for the week. And we both started talking about that we had just done our seed inventories for the year. And if you didn't catch the video that I just put out on YouTube last week, if you're watching this, the podcast via video format, then go and check out that. We'll also have it linked in today's blog post that accompanies today's episode so you can find that. And so it was really funny because we had not conversed like earlier, like saying, oh, hey, this is what I'm doing this week. We just were both were like, hey, just got my seat inventory done, got everything ordered in place that I needed to. And then we started talking about our medicinal herb orders and kind of what herbs we were studying, just kind of like what we were really looking at doing for this uh, for this year. And what was very interesting is unbeknownst to the other is we both were looking at bringing in more herbs and studying um, or deepening our study, I should say, on our antiviral herbs, as well as those herbs that we are growing and or foraging in our own areas or growing them more on our homestead. So either increasing right volume or and bringing in new varieties and new plants. And that's kind of um, a, a, what I found for me that works really well is if I pick something because herbs in general is a huge category. And so each year, and I do this really almost with everything is I pick like a specific focus. So a few, many years back now, it was uh, for cold and flu, like how do I treat for cold and flu? And then it's been for our own personal use, you know, um, sleep, uh, starting to look at different hormones, the stress response, all of those with herbs. And then this year I'm circling back around to virus. And that is because if you've listened to some of the previous episodes that I shared, um, I have Epstein-Barr virus and it I had a, a flare up of that. Um, we had a lot of viruses that came through our household this past year. And I'm like, you know what? I feel that I need to do a deeper study on that for my family. So I wanted to give just like a little bit of preface because when Carolyn and I got to talking, I'm like, I wish we'd had a way to record that because it would have made a fantastic podcast episode. So the next best, next best thing is for me to share what I'm doing this year so that you can apply that to where you are and in your situation for your homestead. So the first part is obviously preparing your medicinal herbs and basically doing a little bit of an inventory as well as where you want to end up at the end of this year. So one is to organize your medicinal herbs for the year and that is to know what what is your end goal and then we're going to work backward we're basically just going to reverse engineer this so do you want to grow more of your own medicinal herbs is that going to require you putting in a brand new herb garden or do you have space that you can expand and you just need to add some more plants into that existing space? Maybe it's a little bit of both. Then if you're not growing any herbs at all, and maybe it's just resupplying your stock. So it could look a couple different ways. And it's a 
it's a combination for me. I still do not grow everything that we use from an herb standpoint, and that's okay. So what I do is each year I look at what we're using and or maybe something new that I found in my continued study and my education as an herbalist that I want to bring in, and I'm either going to grow it or I'm going to be ordering it from someone else that obviously that I'm not growing it yet. So I'll talk a little bit more about that in my resources as we get further into this episode, the places that I trust and where I get those things from. So for you, it might be, I'm not growing any herbs at all, and I don't plan on growing any medicinal herbs this year, but I want to make sure that I've got them stocked. So I'm going to go and look at what I've got in my natural medicine cabinet. Obviously, if you're starting from ground zero, um, then you're going to be getting some basics in. And I personally recommend starting with things that we will almost pretty much guaranteed you're going to deal with, and that's cold and flu, right? That I feel like that that's something that's universal that's going to hit every household at one point or another. And that's where I started my own herb studies was with cold and flu. Um, we've got a full course on that. I know many of you have went through that, a practical home herbalism course for the cold and flu. So we'll have links to that in today's blog post, which by the way, you can find today's blog post by going to melissaknorris.com forward slash 417, just numerical 400, 417, because this is episode number 417. So deciding, am I growing this myself or do I just need to make sure that I have this in stock? And then going ahead and getting restocked on those or ordering them in. It might not just be replenishing a stock. It might just be bringing those in. Looking at the current inventory, and again, this is kind of split between I'm raising this myself or I'm you know buying this product. So when it looks at for what you're going to be raising yourself, do you need to have seeds that you can obviously plant? Now, caveat with that, is when it comes to medicinal herbs, a lot of those are perennials. There are some annuals, and sometimes that depends upon your climate, if it will survive your winter or not. If not, then you just have to grow it every year as an annual. We're in a more mild climate. It would um, be a perennial where it would come back. So that's a little bit to each geographical location and climate and obviously whatever the plant is. Um, but the reason that I'm bringing this up is because there's some plants that do a lot better if you can get a cutting of them um, or buy like a root crown, they're a lot harder to grow from seeds. So for an example of this would be lavender. Lavender can be a little bit harder to get growing from seed, whereas if you can take a cutting then, uh, or just buy, you know, buy a, a cutting, a small plant, it does really well. Um, echinacea is one of those that grows really easily from a crown and you can divide it a little bit harder to start from seed sometimes. And some of this is climate dependent. I know, you know, if you live in an area where echinacea is kind of more like just a wild flower, like a wild plant, um, and you have soil conditions and temperatures, and you're like, oh, that's not hard to start from seed. Sometimes it's a little bit of climate location on whether or not it's as easy to start from seed or not. And with our flowering perennials, which is what a lot of our medicinal seeds are, some of them need to have cold stratification in order to successfully start them from seed. And that's kind of like the missing ingredient for a lot of people. And we have a blog post with a video tutorial that will walk you through if you're like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Highly recommend going and checking out that video if you are planning on growing them from seeds. And then of course, if you need to order the seeds, where you're going to be ordering them, how many, and or do you need to buy the actual plant, which could be the cutting and or um, the live, just like a small seedling. 
Now for cuttings for things like elderberries, those are very easy to make to get cuttings off of. They root really well. We've got a video on that as well as blog posts that talk all about how to grow elderberry. However, when you're getting cuttings from elderberry, you want to do it while the plant is still in its dormancy phase is when you make the cuttings. So if you're going to be making the cuttings yourself so that they have time to develop roots by the time we come to spring and they're actually growing season. And I just went out this weekend and was looking at my elderberry plants and the leaves have, the buds have not opened, but they're very green. And on a few of the buds, at the very, very tip, you can see where the, the little individual leaves, you know, when it's tightening a bud formation, they were just like barely flaring. So they're still in dormancy, but I have a feeling that they're going to actually break dormancy pretty early this year. So I went ahead and did all of my cuttings and any transplanting that I was going to do of those this weekend. So I'm bringing that up now in case that's something that you are also looking to do to go and keep an eye on those buds to know when to do it. So what do you need to purchase? Again, seeds, cuttings, starts, and make a list of those, including where you're buying them from or who you are getting the cuttings from if you're able to get cuttings locally. And just simply having this information written down, it allows us to get it out of our brains and free up the bandwidth. So this might be information that you already know, but you don't actually have it written down. And it's like basically creating a to-do list. It allows your brain to let go of that because you've got it and it just clears up your mental space. So highly recommend that you do that. And if you don't know where to buy your herbs, especially your medicinal herbs, both seeds and plants, as well as the herbs themselves. So like I said, if you're not planning on raising it yourself this year, but you want to have the herbs on hand, I don't think that I can stress enough that you get it from a reputable source. Like that's not something that I would just order willy-nilly like off of Amazon without having a firm knowledge of the brand, their harvesting practices, uh, because with it, when it comes to herbs, especially if it's things that are foraged or grown wildly, you can have the over harvesting of them. Basically, you know, people are, are harvesting them just because they want to make a lot of money and they want to sell them and they're not leaving enough for it, the plant to stay in that area and to continue to grow. So harvesting um, you know, there's harvesting ethics there and then really potency wise, like making sure that they are harvesting from areas growing when you're taking something as medicine, it's even more important for me that it's not being harvested. If it's something that's a, like I said, a, a wild item or a foraged item, native item near roadways, um, that's doing so ethically. Uh, but also that the person truly understands the plant when the best time to harvest it is for the most highest potency levels of that plant because roots should be harvested at a specific time. And we've got, we've got a podcast on this. So we'll link to those on when to harvest the herbs for medicinal purposes. If it's flower, the leaf part and, or the root, because those are actually at different times of the year. And then one of my, um, my new pet herb that I'm doing a big deep study on and diving into more is usnea. So lichen, um, is what it it's grows as different types of moss. So here in the Pacific Northwest, we have a ton of lichen. And so it basically kind of like parasites itself onto wood and trees and different types of trees. And so usnea specifically though, is um, there's different 
Latin names and different forms of it. There's some where like common names people would say old man's beard or it resembles Spanish moss, but it's not Spanish moss. Um, and then you've got other forms of the Usnia that is more small, it's shorter and it's tufted. Um, there's like lots of different common names for that. However, when you stretch it, you'll see this like white corded part inside and it should be stretchy. And then when you like actually pull it apart, you'll see this inner white core. And this is true for your Usnia, be it the, the really long, stringy, strandy kind or the shorter kind. And so if it doesn't have that, it is still a lichen. Now, lichen can still have medicinal purposes, right? But it's that thick inner white core that actually makes it Usnia and where you're going to get your strongest medicinal properties. And so the reason that I'm I'm sharing that is because I test. So I go in, I harvest mine because it grows just prolifically here, but I will go out and pick it and then I will stretch it and I will test and I will check for that inner white core. And not every piece that you harvest or you see necessarily stretches and has that inner white core. And so the reason I'm I'm stressing that is because I've seen where people are like, oh, that's that's Usnia, but they're not, they don't test to see if it has that inner white core just because it resem, you know, just because it is a lichen doesn't mean it's necessarily Usnia. And so I share that because you can have people that are very excited about using herbs, but if you don't know their knowledge level or the the company and how it's harvested it might not be at the potency level that you're wanting for medicinal herbs. So all of that to say, I definitely have some companies that I order from that I have found very trustworthy. And so we'll have those in the blog post, but I'll mention them by name here. And so that is farmhouse teas, both for medicinal and culinary herb seeds, as well as their dried herbs and herbal kits. So I get a lot of my medicinal herbs and they actually have some of my formulations that they sell there specifically that I have custom formulated. Um, the homegrown herbalist. Many of you, if you've been on my, listened to the podcast for any amount of time, then you're familiar with Dr. Patrick Jones. We've had him on several times. So his already made tinctures. He has dried herbs as well. So another fabulous resource. I've, both of those I have in my natural medicine cabinet and I use from both of these companies. Now for ordering seeds, um, Siskiyou seeds actually, which um, is out of Oregon, they have a really good medicinal herb seed, um, one of the most robust and has, um, a lot of times you'll find different seed companies will have things like Tulsi, um, which is a, a basil that's used medicinally. Um, some of those that are kind of like a lot of your culinary herbs can be used both medicinally and culinary. It depends on, on how the, how much you're using them, be it more of a third therapeutic dose or just for flavoring. Uh, and, but Siskiyou seeds has been one of the places that I found that actually has a deep, large catalog of medicinal herb seeds that I can order and get from and high quality. The other place where I will get both seeds, but also where there's those plants that I said do better as cuttings or crowns. Um, the live plant has been strictly medicinalseeds.com. Um, and so that's another great place. And then actually today's sponsor of the podcast is Azure Standard. And Azure has, I've gotten both Echinacea 
and my lavender plants, especially when we were doing the medicinal herb garden down at the farm stay, I got those directly from them. So in the spring, they, and early summer, you can get live, they have a little greenhouse section on the Azure standard and you can order those plants. I've gotten different vegetable starts and different things like that. And though they have been, they've done very well for me. So Azure standard, definitely check out. They do have some seeds, but they're greenhouse live plants. Um, is available in the spring and goes through kind of like midsummer, So it's definitely seasonable, uh, but I highly recommend them. They've been very good quality. They've come back for me every year. I've been using, using them and planting them for medicinal plants. It's been going on the third year now. And I do have a coupon code for you. So if you are a brand new customer to Azure Standard and you place a $50 or more order, use coupon code MELISSA10 and you will get 10% off. And not only does Azure Standard have those live plants from their greenhouse, but they also carry different tinctures and dried medicinal herbs and some um, herbal gummies. So definitely check them out as you're stocking both your herbal cabinet and then also what you're growing of your herbs. They've got some fantastic resources there. Okay. So now it's time to make our game plan. And that is, do any of my herbs or seeds need to be cold stratified? Now, remember I said there have we have that black blog post, but you'll want to work backwards because the cold stratification process um, can take anywhere from two to four to six weeks, depending on what seed it is that you're cold stratifying. And so you have to get that start that started early enough before you even actually start the seed where you're putting it in soil and growing that out. Um, then if any of those herbs that you plan on growing this year, do they need to be started indoors? So they might not need to be cold stratified, but they may need to be started indoors. So you'll want to make sure that you've counted backwards on your calendar from your last average frost date um, based upon what that that herb is and how long it grows for seed starting and putting that date on your calendar and making sure you have said seed in stock, which is ordering herbs ahead of time. So this, especially for any live plants or crowns or cuttings, I want to stress, like you want to make sure that you get them ordered and specifically from uh, strictly medicinal seeds you order them and they say on their website like when they will be shipping them. So you could order them now. So you've kind of like guaranteed your your place in line and you pay for them now. And then they, they have the date when it will actually be shipping to you. That I highly recommend because with the live plants and the different cuttings, those typically are only sent in the spring, sometimes fall depending on what it is. And so if you miss when they run out of stock, you're not gonna be able to get it until the following year. So don't wait on that. If you want it for this year, I recommend ordering uh, as soon as possible. And then if you want to propagate any plants. So as I said, growing elderberries from cutting or actually propagating plants like using root hormones, that type of thing. And we do have a, you guessed it, podcast and blog post on propagating plants um, because it's a little bit different than just necessarily doing cuttings. There's some different methods that you can do, but also a great way. But a lot of this needs to be done in late winter, early spring, etc. So you want to get a jump start, make sure you've got your supplies and are ready to go on that with the timing. So if you want to learn more about herbs, especially medicinal herbs and growing them, then I highly recommend that you check out, which we have available right now, my medicinal herb garden ebook. So this ebook has the 12 
cheat sheets of the most commonly used medicinal herbs with growing tips and essential information on not only how to grow that herb, but also how to medicinal uses. So when to harvest for potency, uh, what you need to know about using it. Is there any special safety precautions or things that you need to know, you know, about using that as a medicinal? We've also got herbal terminology, the seed sprouting and stratification information, herb harvesting and preserving with a note, or I should say with an emphasis on for maximum potency, as well as how to plan your garden space. And it doesn't matter how little, so how small of a space you have to how big, walking you through that, including a visual plan for your herb garden bed to help you optimize your growth and harvest. So we will have a link to that in today's blog post that you can go and check out and snag that, but grab that medicinal herb garden ebook. Um, for a limited time, we're going to have that at over 35% off. So I'll have the link for that. And I hope you enjoyed this. I would be curious if you guys would like to see kind of more, a little bit like behind the scenes, but like how you go through a whole year on kind of like what that process looks like on, you know, raising your food, growing your own medicine, you know, the homesteading stuff and kind of just walking you through like each month, this is what I'm doing both like order this this month, but it's also for this this plan, right? That you're gonna need these things later down the road. So just be super curious how much of that you guys enjoy. If you find this helpful, uh, let me know. And welcome to our verse of the week. So this is gonna be a little bit longer verse of the week. We're gonna be reading from Romans 12. And I am doing a Bible study right now, and it's on the different gifts of the spirit, which if, if you've been a Christian for very long or reading the Bible, you've probably heard the different gifts of the spirit. Um, you may even know which ones you kind of feel like that you have, but I wanted to, to share this portion with you and then we'll talk about it a little bit. So Romans 12 verse one through eight, therefore I urge you brothers and sisters by the mercies of God to present your bodies, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. And do not be conformed to this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually by the renewing of your mind, focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect in his plan and purpose for you. For by the grace of God given to me, I say to every one of you not to think more highly of himself and of his importance and ability than he ought to think, but to think so is to have sound judgment as God has apportioned to each a degree of faith and a purpose designed for service. For just as in one physical body, we have many parts, and these parts do not all have the same function or special use. So we who are many are nevertheless just one body in Christ, and individually we are parts of one another, mutually dependent on each other. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, each of us is to use them accordingly. If someone has the gift of prophecy, let him speak a new message from God to his people in proportion to the faith possessed. If service and the act of serving, 
or he who teaches and the act of teaching, or he who encourages and the act of encouragement, he who gives with generosity, he who leads with diligence, he who shows mercy in caring for others with cheerfulness. And there's lots of, there's a few different portions in the Bible that dive into like lists like this, like listing out um, the gifts from the Holy Spirit. You have it in um, Corinthians, Romans, and Ephesians are some of the, the most studied where it's a little bit more of a longer list and really dives into it. And some of them you'll see overlapping. And then some in Ephesians versus Romans versus Corinthians, you'll see where one list will have some gifts not listed in the other. Um, and so definitely worth looking into all three of those parts of scripture to see all of the different gifts that are listed. But I wanted to share this one because I think a lot of times we think of gifting. I think sometimes you think kind of more in those like um, maybe bigger things. Like if someone has, you know, the gift of maybe music, you know, like this really beautiful voice or just like um a musician where, you know, you're like that, their talent is like a gift from God. And of course, if they're using it for God, right. Um, and then, but what I, I, what I really like is when we think about like, I like showing mercy, like that is a gift from God, showing mercy to people and to do so with cheerfulness um, and encouragement. I don't know that I've always really thought of encouragement as an actual gift of the spirit. But there are people that definitely have the gift of encouragement. And I have to tell you, like, when you are feeling down or a situation feels really hard, when someone comes alongside you and encourages you, like, that is a true gift to receive that. But people also have that gift. And of course, there's the act of service, um, that of teaching. I don't know that we always think of teaching as a gift either, um, that one directly, you know, from the spirit. And what's been interesting for me anyways, as I've been really diving into this study is looking at the gifts or where we kind of seem to have natural inclination, but looking at that through the lens of in our Christian walk versus in our home versus in our occupation or our career, and definitely can see thorough threads like some of those giftings where you'll you'll see it in all of those areas. And then in, in some places you really only see the gift, or at least as I'm examining my own, you know, I really only see it more so in um, like one specific realm. And so anyways, it's, if you've not studied through that, I would definitely recommend it. And part of this has to go back with as I was talking about and sharing kind of earlier when uh, pulling back from certain things where we were, re I was evaluating what we were doing on the homestead, finding margin. So if you haven't listened to that episode and kind of what led up to that from the end of the year and health stuff, I recommend that. But one of the things that was interesting as I was going through the study is really using that um, barometer of joy. And so if something is no longer bringing you joy, looking at, is that something that I should be doing anymore? Because there is definitely within homesteading, but within life, there's seasons. And sometimes something is meant for a season and then you don't need to do it anymore. 
Um, and of course, there's some things like, you know, it's not like there's um, ever going to be a time where you shouldn't pray or you're not going to be doing the dishes, you know, overall, like there's certain things like that where I can't say that I'm going to find joy every time I do the dishes, but using it right, like using common sense there a bit as you apply that. And so what I, what, as I go through this, what's been interesting is, is I look at some of the things both homesteading wise, but also within church and that type of thing. And I'm like, you know what? That is not something that I enjoy doing at all. It doesn't bring me joy. And so that is an area that if I step out of someone who that is their gifting could step into and that would allow them a chance to flourish and to really use their gift where they would be doing so with joy. And I am, am not in that spot anymore. And so just being, I think, cognizant of that and looking at that through the light of what our gifts are and are we operating in them? And of course, I'm saying this in a spiritual context, but it really on the homestead, in our home, in your job, whatever it is, are you operating in where your, your giftings are? Or are you trying to force, you know, with that old scenario, you're trying to force, a, you know, a square peg into a round hole. Um, and if that's the case, maybe that's not a spot that you're supposed to be in, um, in this moment and pull back. So I hope that that helped you, um, definitely go through and, and read that and study that. And I look forward to being back here with you next week. So mason jars and blessings for now, my friends. <laughs>